Hello, my friends. It's still me. You needn't be afraid. That is, assuming you weren't afraid before. You mustn't be afraid. You must instead take me for what I am now. I wouldn't ask you to change what you are, and you cannot ask me to change what I am. You can simply accept me and listen, or you can turn this podcast off and forget about me. I think I'm learning. Growing, perhaps. More than these wings behind me, at any rate. Let me get right to my story. I have chosen a special one for you this week. The girl in this story reminds me of someone. So I wanted to tell you this story. I hope you enjoy it. There was once a young woman with a sad disposition. Her family was wealthy and treated her well, but they were often traveling. Her brother and sister had married and left, having gone off to find their fortune in the world. Her parents, perhaps longing to forget that they had a third child and be free, went off on their own adventures, traveling the world. And she was left to keep the house, having no romantic partner or business prospects herself. The house was far too large for just her, and though she was old enough to live on her own, she was afraid of it. She had always been afraid of being alone, which was a strange thing, because she had spent so much of her life being alone. She had forgotten how to make friends or keep jobs because of her fear and her solitude. She felt at odds with most people, and developed a great fear of them, and yet also a resentment for the fact that they didn't seem to understand her. And so she felt sometimes like a ghost, wandering the halls of her home all by herself, both loving and hating it somehow. The beautiful large house was far from most things in town. In excuse, she provided for why she did not have any friends or lovers or work. But it was close to one thing. A cemetery. A very large, very old cemetery. One of the rare things that she took joy in was this cemetery. She would often walk among the beautiful headstones or find a shady grove to read under. She had no qualms taking her lunch there, even. The place was so old and so fully occupied that no visitors or groundskeepers ever came among it anymore. In fact, it was completely unattended. She took it upon herself to occasionally pull up weeds or clean the sculptures. She fancied that she got to know the people buried there. She had memorized many of their names and ages imagined what they were like from their epitaph. She would chat with them every now and then, or wish them good morning. They were her friends, and she felt at ease here. She didn't tell her family that she would spend her time this way for fear that they might think her to be even more strange than they already did. But she loved it here, 
and she believed she knew it inside and out. That is, until one day. Again, her family was all gone, away on their own adventures, and she was alone at the house, silently bemoaning and celebrating the silence therein. And on this particular day, the sun was shining and the air was cool and sweet, and she wanted to visit her beloved cemetery. She took her favorite book and some fresh fruit in a small basket, and she began to walk. She walked and read at the same time, occasionally glancing up to see her favorite statues of weeping angels or the most poetic epitaphs in the place. Particularly engrossed in this book, she wasn't really watching where she was going or which path she was taking, and she barely noticed that the trees were growing thicker, and the graves were more and more sparse, unkempt, and ancient. And eventually she stopped, realizing that she stood in front of a huge tombstone. Certainly the largest one here. How had she not seen it before? Turning around, she realized how. She was so far from the entrance of the cemetery, and it was almost at the point where the forest started. And this tomb was so old that it was covered in vines and moss. And she realized she would never have seen it from a distance, so hidden and natural-seeming it was. She put down her bag and her book and removed a picnic blanket. Taking it and pouring a little water on it, she began to wipe the dirt from the stone and pry the vines away from it. She saw the name. A strong, noble name. She saw the year of his birth and his death. He was her age. She was struck in the heart by this realization. Even more so when she looked up and saw a statue of a young man astride a horse. She instantly became fascinated with him. His face was featureless. Large pieces of stone were missing where his eyes, nose, and mouth should be. One of his hands that may have once held a sword was gone. The details in his regal suit had long ago faded. But there he was. Perfect, nonetheless. She sat with him that day and read her book, and she came again the next day, earlier than before, and brought a book of poems. She read them aloud to him. She ate fruit by his grave and chatted idly. She cleaned his grave a little more every day, adoringly taking care of it. And she came again the next day and stayed until the sun set. And the next day, and the next day, and the next. This is the glorious thing about solitude, you see. When people in your life leave you to your own devices, they can neither know nor judge how you spend your time. What a wonderful, awful thing. Glorious thing. One day... She sat with him and looked up at the beautiful, incomplete statue, gently singing a little song. On and on, and ever so, 
she found herself weeping. Weeping for this young man she would never know. Weeping for the empty house she dreaded returning to where he wouldn't be. Weeping for her soul, which was desperately in love with someone she knew no longer existed. She had brought a white rose for him today. From the family's garden. She had thought to herself that this should be the last time she visited this place. For her own sanity, perhaps. And so she took a black ribbon and tied a lock of her hair to the rose with it and laid the gift at his feet. She sang one last time to him, wiped her tears, and walked herself home. That night the wind blew cold and the rain fell hard. She had cooked herself a small pitiful meal, lit herself a weak little fire, and put herself to bed. At midnight the clock struck twelve and chimed throughout the house. At this time of night she always felt a deep fear rising in her heart when she was alone. So alone in a home so large no one would hear her scream outside of it. And when she heard a large clatter downstairs, she told herself the same thing she told herself when she heard creaks and bangs in the night. It's nothing. You're afraid because you're alone and there's nothing you can do about it. Go to sleep. And when she heard what sounded like footsteps mounting the stairs, she told herself it was just the wood of the floorboards groaning and crying with cold. But soon enough, as the footsteps grew louder and apparently closer, she realized that where her fear had been irrational before, it might have been a completely reasonable fear now. The footsteps stopped right outside of her door. The rain still pounded against the windows and the wind still howled. She took her candle in her hand and gingerly went to the door. Shaking, she waited just on the other side of it, hoping whoever waited there would leave her alone and keep moving on. She raised a trembling hand, hoping to quickly turn the deadbolt and dissuade whoever stood on the other side from opening it and finding her. But just as her fingers touched the deadbolt, she heard a voice.
Her mouth opened in terror and her eyes filled with tears. But in that moment, her loneliness became so much greater than her fear, and her hand drifted from the deadbolt to the doorknob. She opened the door. Standing there barely visible in the candlelight was a young man. His shoulders were a little slumped, and he hung his head down, muddy hair covering his eyes. She saw blue lips gasping for breath. She saw gray skin. She saw the fabric of his uniform from another time, tattered and faded. Yet it looked much more decomposed than he somehow did. She looked down at his right hand, which was thin and bony but strong, his fingers long and fine and graceful as they stretched and tensed and relaxed, seeming to regain their former strength. And when she held the candle closer to his face, he lifted his head, and she saw two shining gray eyes, sad and beautiful and very, very lonely. A look of shame passed across his face. Why shouldn't it? What must he have looked like to this girl who had never witnessed such a thing before? He seemed to be aware of what he was, and enamored with what she was. Neither of them said anything. But slowly, he raised his left hand, which he had kept behind his back before. He was holding a bouquet of beautiful white roses. A little wet from the rain, but lovely nonetheless. She was not afraid of the mud in his hair or the blue in his lips. She did not have questions about how he could possibly be standing here in front of her. All she could do was wonder at his decrepit and wonderful beauty. His eyes seemed to plead with her as he still held the flowers. She took them from him, and she threw her arms around him. How I love that story. but we must embrace our ghouls and ghosts and goblins. They need love too, don't they? Good night, dear friends.
Hi everyone, this is Kristen, your writer and your host and your performer and your podcaster and your voice in the dark. How has your February been treating you? Well, I hope. Thank you for listening to episode 51 of On a Dark, Cold Night. I'd like to thank Casey over at Horror Shots Podcast this week, who congratulated us on air on his latest episode for hitting our 50th episode last week. Casey has been a great friend and ally when it comes to the Ontario horror community or the horror podcast community or both, and I really appreciate the shout out. He does fantastic work on his podcast, which is currently going through different personifications of death through history and different cultures. I highly recommend you check it out. Again, it's called Horror Shots Podcast. If you want to support On a Dark Cold Night, I would love it if you could leave us a review, preferably on iTunes or Stitcher, though anywhere else is also quite welcome. You may just hear your words read out on air here, as well as over social media. Also, please follow us on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on our Facebook page. I would love to hear from you. Give us a tweet or a comment and a follow, and uh, I will most certainly reply. Finally, a huge, huge, huge help would be to support the show on Patreon. For any amount pledged monthly, I will give you access to a private playlist with the soundtrack of the show, which is updated weekly. Or you can buy me a coffee at coffee.com if you want to donate once and not receive that perk. You can find me on either page. On Patreon, I'm there at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. And on Coffee, I'm there at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. You can also listen to the show on the free Radio Public app, where every listen works towards me as your podcaster being paid for my work. Thank you again for listening in this week. I really did love writing this story, so uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Have a great week, friends. Good night.